advisor matt moniz and we have a special guest in studio with us tonight and let me just switch the camera over so that everybody can see here's here i gotta get used to doing things with multiple buttons at one time so you're there's a camera over there yeah so uh we have uh one of our oldest friends here with us tonight we have dave francis hello dave how are you i'm doing great guys how you doing congratulations uh, yeah 14 years and uh and i think that it's uh appropriate that you're here with us tonight because you've been one of our oldest friends of the show i was thinking about that this morning back to the parax conference down in warwick you might want to just pull, pull your yeah i know that you don't want to do it but you're gonna have to try to get uh, maybe get a little closer to moni's so that we get you in the shot okay that better yeah that's better and then you can pull that down closer so it's like right up close to your mouth because it's a terrible microphone we gave you the worst one of course because that's what we that's do what i deserve and uh yeah so it's 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 been a long time that but you were you were on relatively what was it one the power x thing yeah one yeah. year in and um going back wow well we, we were in the in the weird like corner of that hotel yeah, oh yeah was for that like broadcast where they put the coats and stuff like that yeah yeah like and then people kept walking in and looking at us like <laughs> like what are you doing here do you remember that the power x conference in rhode island oh yeah yeah and uh, let's see, who was there? I know Keith and Carl were there. Brian Harnois was there. Um, Lisa Duallaby was there. Yep. It was Donna, actually, it was, it was her husband, Ray, that put it on, right? Yeah, yeah. Donna, yeah. Donna was there. Don, yeah. yeah. Paula Donovan. So we're talking about, you know, OGs. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that was, so that was the first time. Oh, and that, you know what else that was too? That was uh, Chris Williams had just joined Ghost Hunters. And we were her first ever yeah. radio interview. She oh, came wow. and took part in that, and she had never done a radio interview before. So it's kind of funny because when you look back and you say, hey, we've been on the air for 14 years, we've been a lot of people's first radio interview. <laughs> but that's all right. We don't mind it. We love the fact that uh, we've been able to come and talk to you each and every Saturday. Well, most Saturday nights over the last 14 years. Okay. Uh, we did miss last week's show, but we're here now. Yeah, this is a presentation, by the way. A, a, for, a formal presentation Yes, here. I wasn't involved with the naming of Team Cannoli. I wasn't there for that. So I would have said Team Prime Rib. Yeah, that would have made more sense. Team John Deere Tractors. Anything. Uh, it, yeah, you know. if you know us. But Team Tequila. I wanted to present this with you. Well, thank Happy you very much. Happy 14 years. And, uh, and, and for everybody out there, I'm going to show you on the camera as much as I can tilt it. But if you look here, and they're all nice and shaken up because the ride down he was hitting puddles and everything else. We've we've got cannolis, so I know Chrissy's probably watching the show. Hi, Chrissy. So we will uh, we will eat these in your honor and thank you very much, Dave. We'll you put are those welcome. right there so that they don't sit in front of me the whole time because <laughs> nobody will be celebrating later. And of course, Moniz with his annual tradition uh, brings in uh, 
some champagne to celebrate the the anniversary show. So last week we weren't on the air. Uh, actually, what happened was we had a storm here. Yeah. And and as it always happens with the storms on Saturday nights, they start off as snow, and then they tell us they're going to change over to rain. And when do you think the change over time is always going to happen? Midnight. Yeah. Yeah. Usually sometime yeah. during the show. So that means in order to get here, we have to you know come here in terrible snow, and bad conditions and all that. And I won't do that anymore since the time that I came in here and uh, and I I'm pretty sure I broke my wrist. Oh, yeah. I remember that. <laughs> I came in here and I, I made it all the way here. It took me like two hours to get from my house to here, which is normally a 20-minute drive. And when I got here, I was so happy that I made it here safely and no problems and, and no damage to the car or anything. And I come walking in here to, just to sit down in the chair. And and, uh, and I was actually going to give some storm updates before Spooky South Coast started. Sat down in the chair. And when I went to sit down, I slipped on this plastic mat oh. they have here. And I went down and put my hands in front of me, and I, I busted up my wrist. So, and I didn't realize that I did. And I'm not saying I'm some kind of a tough guy, but something in there broke because it took a long time for that to feel better, and it still bothers me from time to time. So, after that, I decided if the weather isn't great, we don't really need to come in. <laughs> Why risk it? It used to be in the old days that you know we did we had to come in mm. because if we didn't come in, there'd be nothing on the air. Because they wouldn't program this time because it was either or. You either could program it to, to, to run automated shows or you had it for a live show. So they would have to leave that blank spot from 10 to midnight. And if we didn't show up, it was that, dead air. that dead blank air spot would be what goes over the air. So, you know, we would get in trouble. Like, oh, how come you guys didn't come in? Oh, well, you know, it was really bad weather out. Oh, but you got to let us know if you're going to do that because we just had dead air for two hours. Okay. So now it's it works nice with this new system we have that we can say, ah, you know what? It's probably a better idea to stay home. Yeah, 20th century technology is caught up. And yeah. when everything is all... <laughs> Think about that one. I know. When everything <laughs> is all uh, good and ready and when they get stuff, because they're going to be redoing stuff in here. But we just built some new offices in the building, so those are done. But eventually they'll come in here and redo this studio. And when all that stuff gets kind of put into place, then when that happens, we can just do the show from home. So hmm. we'll have Moniz get a you know a nice Yeti microphone or something at his house. and I've got a nice Sennheiser. Whatever it takes. <laughs> and then what we'll do yeah. is I'll connect with you over Skype. Sure. And I'll feed it into the system over here and we can do the show in our underwear yeah well we have done that in the past but then but we got the cameras yeah, we had to yeah. Stop. <laughs> people yeah. thought it was weird they're like well it's okay if one of you shows up in your underwear but you know not both of you <laughs> then we just worry about what goes on during the commercial breaks <laughs> uh but yeah so this is our 14th anniversary show we are going to uh you know talk about some current state of the paranormal type stuff uh dave being a paranormal investigator dave's one of the first people that we um worked with as a as a researcher who was an independent researcher somebody who said you know i'm i'm not a team player in this case and i want to do this work on my own and you know that was i know appealing to moniz because that was something he'd been doing for a long time so i remember though when you would come on we would get emails from people i never thought of that what <laughs> I never thought that I could go out and do this stuff on my own. I thought I had to be part of a group. No. Back in the day, it was just independent people because you couldn't find anybody else yeah. that was as nutty as you. 
Did, did you ever think when you started, either of you, that someday we'd be talking about this kind of stuff on the radio no, and having no. thousands of people listen? And no. no, I didn't think I'd be doing it after the first time I went out. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that I feel that way about a lot of things that I do, but I don't know if the paranormal was one of them. Uh, definitely the first time that I uh, had screwdrivers at a bar, I thought that was probably going to be the only time I would do that, and and uh, so far it was. <laughs> Okay. Bad, bad memory. I tried to make up for an entire day of dehydration oh. by if I'm going to drink, I'll drink screwdrivers because juice will help replenish me. And no, what it will do is it'll give you severe, <laughs> severe throat burn when you have to throw it up later. But uh, anyway, uh, we'll talk about that. We're also going to have a special guest joining us in just a little bit as well because uh, I don't know. You guys got any news to report? Anything going on in the last couple of days that we should talk about? Because uh, I think I got something. Some dude's getting impeached somewhere. I heard yeah, something that's about happened. that. That's uh, well, paranormal-wise, um, there's been a couple of good squatch videos that have been caught on, you know, public cameras. Well, and, well, uh, I saw one of those this morning. Yeah, yeah, but I, I mean, mean, I mean, it's still distant shot, but just the fact that it's now becoming mainstream for the news to play this. A lot of the former, you know, forbidden stories like. UFO stuff and uh, cryptids and, and ghosts is now actually being looked at with, we'll call it less silliness that, that the media puts on it, you know, especially UFO related, you know, after that naval video, now people are starting to go, okay, maybe we should start taking some of this stuff a little seriously. But, uh, I mean, what about the people in this room? Nobody in this room had any big news the last couple of days or anything. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <clears throat> well, uh, I heard something. Yeah. yeah. So, basically... There is uh, a rumor, right? Ba- basically, I want to make sure that we address this, though, because people are, are wondering uh, about the future of Spooky South Coast here as we are celebrating was, our 14th I anniversary. Concerned. I was concerned. I, 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 was getting, I was getting some messages. So if you missed the announcement yesterday, uh, I will be starting Monday. I'm the new host of Midnight in the Desert, Monday through Friday. Thank you. Thank you, guys. So uh, we will be continuing Spooky South Coast, though. I know a lot of folks were worried that we were going to cancel the show, that you know if I was going to be talking about this kind of stuff monday through friday that we wouldn't keep talking about it saturday of course we're going to keep spooky south coast going we have to because this is my time to hang out with all of you guys and it's a completely different show it's a completely different atmosphere and feel and although i love both styles of, of doing the show i think it'll be fun to do a monday through friday you know real art bell style show and then come in here and do what we've always done on saturdays and have some fun and uh not that the you know, Midnight in the Desert won't be fun, but it'll just feel good to kind of unwind on a Saturday mm-hmm. uh, by hanging out with the Spooky Crew. So we're looking forward to uh, some really great things. And joining us right now on the line to talk about some of those great things is the producer of Midnight in the Desert. We have Michelle Freed on with us. Michelle, are you with us? I am here. Can you hear me? Oh, you sound great. You're not on great. that Lamone phone, that's for sure. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no way. So, uh, yes, I was just uh, letting everybody know uh, that, uh, you know, starting Monday, there'll be some exciting new programming Monday through Friday. And I know that uh, we talked about, you know, having a lot of that Art Bell feel to what we're going to be doing with Midnight in the Desert. And I, I think you do a great job, Michelle, of getting us the guests that we need to really have that throwback style of radio with these long form interviews. 
Yeah, you know, I worked with Art for about a year and a half, you know, with Heather and Art. And I, I really, um, got, I, I mean, I would have loved to have more education, but I, I think I got enough uh, to launch from. And I, I feel like um, having you as a host, we're going to have, we're going to keep the essence of art. And, um, and that's the thing is that I'm always looking for an angle or a story that isn't um, all over the place. You know, I think Keith mentioned on our on Midnight in the Desert last night that, um, you know, if we return a guest, uh, a guest comes back on the show, we make sure that they have new information, not right. just telling the same story over and over. And um, what I love is that you really have a good way, a gentle way um, of really uh, pulling out information from people. They feel comfortable um, and I think we did, we talked about, I think it was with you, when we talked about um, uh, Howard Stern and how he's able to kind of, believe it or not, get people in a position where they're comfortable and they just spill their guts. You know, right. they, they go in different directions. And I think that um, you, you have the ability to do that. Well, thank you. Yeah. One of the things that I, I, I pride myself on, and we've <laughs> talked about this, you know, if you're a talk show host, nothing feels better than when somebody tells you, oh, that's that's an interesting question. or I've, I've never heard that question before. Nobody's ever asked me that. And sometimes it's just a platitude. Sometimes it's just something somebody say to buy to stall so they can start to think about what they want to <laughs> answer with. But, you know, sometimes you do ask and, and bring a different insight to a, to a conversation that somebody's never heard before. And that's what I think all talk show hosts should do. They should try to find a way to take this guest that you can hear on any show, anytime, and find a way to make it a, a, a conversation that fits that particular audience, that the people that are listening to that show, what they want to hear and be that avatar for them to ask the questions that they would want to ask. Yeah, and I would like to add to that also is the fact that um, it's important to hear people's story, not uh, hear their stories, not really judge them, you know, if we believe it or not believe it. Um, everybody really... Um, gets a chance to be heard and you know I, I, we also talked about that we talk a lot um but we also talked about having you know letting the listeners decide do they want to believe do they not it's not really our place uh to make a judgment if the person's you know believable or not our job is to report a story and uh so i i kind of that's in the back of my head every time i'm booking a guest and, and I and I think Dave did a great job of, you know, writing that ship. We know what happened with Midnight in the Desert after Art's passing. Uh, we don't really need to rehash all of that stuff. But we know that it was in, you know, it was in a state of flux. And he came in and he set the tone and he, he straightened out the ship so that this thing could fly right and keep going. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and it's just, you know, it, he's he's got a lot on his table. And, uh, you know, maybe <clears throat> with... All of the, uh, you know, the, the way that he has brought some of the topics into that show, it brought in a lot of stuff that you wouldn't have thought to, uh, to talk about before, and it put it into some new directions, and we know that he's doing that on TV with the Holzer Files, so I, I want to continue that. I want to make sure that we're mm -hmm. taking the essence of, you know, what Art Bell built, but also finding a way to, you know, find those new thoughts those new things to bring up, those new thoughts to have on the paranormal or whatever we're talking about and to, to find those new avenues for discussion. Because like you said, 
they may have been a return guest, but there's always a new way to look at things. And there's mm-hmm. all and, and you know, you'll have guests that will cover the same topics, but different people. And we want to have people that are bringing on different thoughts and different ideas. We don't want to just basically come out and be like, you know, so many other shows are these days where it's it's greatest hits radio. Where mm-hmm. it's like when you go to see Van Halen, you know, they're not playing the new songs. You know, they're playing the old songs and that Dave's going to sound terrible when he does it. David Lee Roth, I mean, not Dave Schrader. <laughs> yeah, of course. And so, you know, we don't want that. We don't want somebody just coming out and, you know, doing the... the, the uh, what do they call that? The uh, you know the summer fair, the summer festival circuit, where they're right. just trying to make a buck. We want the people that are coming and bringing new ideas and making people think. Yeah, art, Bell, it's like finding a diamond in the rough. Art, art would tell me, you know, go to local, you know, local newspapers and look for these, you know, hidden gems. You know, these stories, like you know, in these really obscure places, and and um, and and then he always said, you know, when I would you know, say, what about this idea? It's like, well, is it interesting? Yeah, it's interesting. Well, let's do it. So, I mean, these are, you know, ways that I look into, um, you know, finding finding guests. In fact, I'm pretty excited because um, we're going to have him on the show next week on Midnight in the Desert, Terry Loveless, who um, I was the first show that he was on. And then, of course, after us, he went everywhere. But he was another, uh, he was a diamond in the rough. He had a, an, an abduction experience, a horrifying one. And his story is absolutely incredible. And um, to the point where he, from our show, had like so many opportunities happen for him because everybody wanted to hear the story. So I, I kind of, my goal is that we we have them on our show first and uh, we break it, and then it could, you know, fly from there. I think we've already we've already had a communication problem. I thought you booked Linda Lovelace for next week. Oh. I was I, you wish. I prepared completely differently for this show. Uh, I have to go and change oh my all God. my questions now. But it is uh, Saturday night, right? We we'll, yeah. we'll find a way. We'll we'll make it work. Some of the questions might still be applicable. There might have, <laughs> depends on on the story. But uh, w- one of the other things that I think is. Um, important for it you know you and i have talked quite a bit michelle about you know wanting to have uh you know an old school feel to radio to 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 sit there and and go down this journey for a couple of hours that you know most other radio programs can't do anymore because you've got the news you've got the commercials you've got segments you've got all these things that you have to run you don't really have that opportunity to sit and really dwell on a topic for three hours and and we're going to do that but the other thing that we're going to do is we're going to take that old school style and we can we can merge that with the stuff that I've learned here in my day job mm-hmm. and be able to apply social media to that, be able to, you know, make it a, a more connected community during the show so that not only are you listening, you know, because we've done that here for years with Spooky South Coast where we were one of the first and, and nobody, <laughs> nobody's ever taken the risks that we've taken when it comes to doing this stuff. So, you know, we've we've made all the mistakes that there are to make already. <laughs> repeatedly and so you know when we show up and we've got you know 50 60 80 people in the chat room hanging out with us every night you know that's the kind of thing we want to bring to midnight in the desert we want to have that community of people which i'm already dubbing the midnight society we want them hanging out with us live and then if you can't you can always be a time traveler and be part of the show through the archives yeah absolutely and the other thing is um and i think that our guests when i i have a pre-interview with them um, I 
and I know that they've been, like you said, running the circuit, um, I always ask them to uh, feel comfortable to tell us things that they haven't been saying on the other shows. And they're so grateful for that because they're kind of sick and tired of telling their same story right. as well. And, you know, I, I usually find that they have some things in their history or, or in their, you know, other stories that um, are kind of cool that, you know, no one ever asked them. So it's like, you know, giving them permission to just have a ball. So, um yeah, yeah. I don't ever want anybody to feel like they're coming on the show to sell a book. You know, your books will get sold by coming on the show. That's going to happen. And I'll, right. I'll tell you a secret. Pardon me. <clears throat> I know people who are authors who go on Coast to Coast AM, you know, the biggest radio show in the world, and they'll go on there and pitch their latest book. And then you ask them, how many copies did you think you sold from being on Coast to Coast? And they tell you, I don't think I sold any. Like, looking yeah. at the numbers, I don't think I sold any. So... You know, people say, oh, they're coming on to pitch a book, but, you know, they're not. They come into this knowing that it's not It's not like they're going to get paid off. We don't pay guests. Mm -hmm. No radio show pays guests to come on. It's something that you're doing for them for promotion. So yeah. I don't ever want anybody to have to come on and feel like they're, they're pitching something to our audience. We'll just have a regular, normal, human conversation, and then people will naturally want to find out more about what it is that you do. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So yeah. one of the... Um, one of the things we also discussed too is, and this this question came up, is is some of the changes in the music. Now I want to address this because I know that it's, I've already gotten emails about this, and Michelle, I'm sure you have too, and Keith has as well. Is people want to know, well, now that you're switching hosts, are you going to bring back all of Art's bumper music? And the answer to that, sadly, is no. Uh, we're not going to do that because you can't really stream. And, and, and podcast that music anymore. You definitely can't podcast it, and streaming it is astronomical charges. Mm -hmm. So we'd rather not invest in that, but instead we can find music that gives it the same feel. And so I'm very excited that uh, starting on Monday night, we're going to have a new theme song for Midnight in the Desert, and it was created by Under the Question, the same guys that created the, spooky South, the last couple of Spooky South Coast themes. Uh, but they have a really great new theme that i'm in love with it it sounds it's you know it's it's a throwback to the chase to the to the open that art bell always used for coast to coast am that they still use today but it's kind of our own version and, and kind of a more updated feel and uh, i was listening to it earlier in the shower michelle and i, I gotta tell you mm -hmm. it gets me fired up i can't wait to come in on monday night and crack that mic with that music playing in the background yeah yeah we definitely want that feel that you know oh, the show's going to start, and in that excited feeling that people feel. Um, yeah, that's great. Now, the, the other question that I got asked was about phone lines. Uh, they wanted to know if we were going to have all kinds of special phone lines. It's hard enough just to get phones that we can make work with this setup. We, we can't have 40 different phone lines. Uh, but we will have, you know, eventually in the next couple of weeks or in the coming months, the phones will be at, back up and running. The problem is, you know, inside baseball for everybody out there. Keith's packing up a lot of equipment and sending it to me so that I can run stuff on site, make his job easier. And one of those things is what will make the phones work. So I'm going to receive that soon and set it all up, but we're going to be a little ways off before we feel like we can get into the point where I'm, you know, it's, you've seen me Moniz when I work behind oh, yeah. this board. It's uh it's a struggle sometimes. So I want to make sure I get everything right 
and we have everything down pat. But the phone lines will be back. I don't want anybody to think that we're we're not taking phone calls. In the meantime, if you if you have to tell me that I suck and you don't <laughs> want to send an email, just become a time traveler and use the wormhole and you can tell me there that I suck. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> But and and you know maybe a few people will enjoy it as well. They can they can certainly give compliments as well. Uh, what are you most excited about uh, for next week's? Uh, you know, just just what are you expecting to hear the audience come back with? What do you you know looking at the the guests that you have in these three hour shows and and the fact that we're really going to dive deep? I think I'm looking the most forward to people saying to me, you know, that's how I want to spend my night. I don't want to. You know, flip around and see what's on coast to coast and see what's on these other shows. I want to lock into Midnight in the Desert every night. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I definitely want that, too. <laughs> um, I was, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought because I was looking at the schedule because I forgot. Um, I wanted to just kind of, oh, yeah, really good week. Yeah, and it's what I love about it is it's such a varied week. You know, we're we're going to be all over the place with some of these topics, and uh, we can we tell them who we're going to have on Friday. I'm especially excited about that. All right, I'll let you spoil that one. Sure. Okay, so um, Bram Stoker, the author of Dracula. No, it won't be him, but his great grand nephew, who is also an author. Um, how do you pronounce his name? Docker Stoker? I'm not sure, Docker. but I'll, I'll make sure I ask him before. Yeah, I'll, <laughs> before I'll find out. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he's, he writes books on Dracula, and he's going to talk about his great-grandfather or whatever. Um, and I'm so excited to have him. It's going to be a cool show. And you asked me, you know, as you're putting the shows together and, and trying to find the guests, you asked me, uh, you know, what what topics don't you want to cover or is there is there anything that you don't want to talk about or anything that you particularly want to talk about and, and my answer was just keep bring bringing it, it. yep just keep bringing it because in all the bring times all the times that i guest hosted you found fantastic guests sometimes i'll admit i was like i don't know how this one's gonna work but then by the time we make it happen it uh, it turns into something that i sit back and I'm like, wow, that's one of those ones that I feel is, you know, one of the better shows that I've done. I'll never forget the guy uh, and I don't remember his name but um, you booked the guy who was, and you know, breaking the fourth wall again, we did it as a pre-record but we had we had a guy who was uh, going to talk to us about these alien ships on the sun. Oh, oh. yeah. And, and I said to you, I don't know if I really buy into this one. And by the, you know, we got into that show and started talking. By the time I was halfway through the conversation with him, I was like, well, maybe. I know. I love when you're all of a sudden you come in and you're like, this is the craziest thing. And then you start becoming convinced. It's like questioning your humanity. And uh, hopefully we don't get to the point where I almost kill any guests again either. Oh, that was bad, too. Yeah. Can we have him back, Mr. Black? I think we have to have Mr. Black back just because people keep asking me if he survived. Yeah, so we, and we need to prove to them that he's alive. Did, 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 I don't know if you caught this one, no, Dave. No, I didn't. So what happened was we, we had this guest on, Mr. Black, and uh, what was he talking about? It was like... Um, it was uh, like alternative history and stuff like that. Yeah. And yeah. and he, he started getting into uh, some of the, you know, the idea that humans were evolved from aliens and talking about some of our, um, our, our the, the way that our hands are developed, you know, and, 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 and how 
Uh, it doesn't make any sense that if we were evolved from apes, our feet would look like our hands and our mm. feet wouldn't be flat. And I said, right. but our feet would be flat because of all the weight that we put on them when we walk. That's how form and function works. And as soon as I questioned him about that, all of a sudden he just started going into the, like this coughing fit. And Well, it was working up a little bit. Though. Yeah, he, it happened. It was like all of a sudden he was like not finishing sentence and heavy breathing. And then I, I really didn't pay that much attention, but I think you you sent me a note like, is this guy okay? And so we're just kind of paying a little attention, but not really getting worried until what you're talking about, until this moment. And, and, and what's funny is, uh, you know, I, I could hear it, you know, happening. I could hear that wheezing. And, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm not thinking anything else except you did this. <laughs> like you, you put him in this state because you questioned him. <laughs> USOB. And, and then what happened was, you know, it got to the point where he was coughing so bad. I said, well, why don't you, why don't you take a, a moment and get a drink of water and I'll, you know, I'll stretch for a minute. And so I'm sitting there kind of vamping on the microphone a little bit, waiting for him to come back. And he comes back and he sounds better for a couple seconds. And then it starts to get worse and worse and worse. Oh. And then it gets to the point where it's almost like a full blown, like, like panic attack or asthma attack or something. And, and I say to him, like, I, I think we better let you go, sir. Like, you need to seek medical attention. And yeah. I had to tell him, like, please hang up with me and call 911 immediately. Right. And so then, you know, I think, uh, I don't know if anybody knows the real inside story. I hung up with him. I'm stretching for the last couple of minutes. You guys know I can talk if I need to. Oh, yeah. And so <laughs> as that's happening, like, messaging Michelle, like, can you please call him and see if he's okay? And Michelle's trying to call him. And he's not answering the phone. Oh, I'm freaking out. And she's telling me he didn't answer the phone. And I'm like, I just killed a guy on the radio. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean, if it's that. It's the first time that Ezra, I don't, well, no, because that's not the first time, right? That I killed somebody? No, not you. <laughs> not you, but somebody died on the radio. It's... I think we had a show like the night before that talked about somebody, they were talking about. Oh, right. They were talking about people who died on stage. Yeah. And yeah. oh yeah, mm -hmm. well, and yeah. The, there's been people who have outright died right on television, uh, not even not you know the the people who've committed suicide on live TV aside, but there have there's been people been murders who just, on direct direct television. There was a news reporter mm -hmm. recently was uh, shot. There was one. A, I remember there was one news anchor that just in the middle of reading a story just killed over and died. You know, who so, was that that other woman that she had some sort of it wasn't a stroke or anything, but it was. Like a speech thing, she was out in front of a sports complex and she was talking, and it, oh yeah, and then it was unintelligible. There you was didn't stand her that at other all. one too, the the baseball play-by-play -play announcer, that just started talking like random stuff that made no sense all of a sudden, and he was he basically was having a stroke on a live microphone, and oh my god, he was just like talking all this random stuff, and they were like, "What well, what's wrong with you?" And and finally they figured out what was going on. They they turned the microphone off. But yeah, so I mean it, it has happened. But thankfully it didn't happen that night. Mr. Yeah. Black is still alive, at least as far as we know. And uh at least he was the day after, right? When you talked yes. to him. Mm -hmm. So we'll he, to... he actually he didn't have a heart attack. He had an asthma attack. And oh, wow. um and yeah, and I, I did tell him that we'll have him back, but maybe we should maybe I'll give him a call. Just, just let him know this time that take, I, I may question. Yeah, I may question some of his some of his statements, but it's not personal. You know, there's no need to have an asthma attack over. It. Right. That's why yeah. you know, famously, every time you know we screw something up, what does Keith always say? 
No one dies. And so far, he can keep saying that. That's I don't know. Right. If, as long as Mr. Black comes back, uh, we, we might put that at risk. So, absolutely. So uh, I'm I'm really excited for what starts off next week, Michelle. I think we're gonna work great together. I think we're going to really uh, make the audience. Um, think we're gonna give them a good time we're gonna give them a reason to come and hang out with us uh you know and just like what dave was building up we're gonna keep it going but just yeah. now we'll be able to take it in some some different directions as well and of course dave's not going anywhere he's still part of the midnight in the desert family uh just as i was more than happy to fill in for him whenever he needed me he said that uh, he's going to be ready willing and able to fill in for me the only catches you know we'll be working around his holzer file schedule but uh i think it'll work out you know maybe by the time he gets done filming that i might need my first night off <laughs> that's right that's right so we'll we'll definitely be hearing more from him and of course we'll have him on when the season two of the holzer files is getting ready to premiere so it's going to be um you know just the family's just growing a little bit that's all that's right that's right well um i'm gonna say uh good luck break a leg um i'm so happy uh, to be working with you, and I just, we, I mean, already we have so many plans um, coming up. I mean, almost February is almost completely booked, and we have exciting, exciting things coming up. So everyone should just stay tuned, and I hope everyone becomes subscribers and uh, can listen to the show at their convenience and never miss anything. Absolutely. Well said. Thank you so much, Michelle, and I will talk to you probably tomorrow. Okay, sounds good. Bye, right. everyone. Take care. Bye-bye. That is Michelle Freed, the booking producer for Midnight in the Desert. And if you are not sure what she's talking about, if you haven't listened to the show, and, and you know, and I know I, we're dedicating a lot of time to Spooky South Coast to talking about another show, and it's it's shameless self-promotion, and I'm sure we'll get some iTunes reviews from people, all they talk about is themselves and the stuff that they're doing. Okay, but you still listened. And <laughs> the other thing that I, I just want to let people know is like don't expect that we're just going to be rehashing uh, a bunch of the same stuff that you've heard on spooky south coast or that spooky south coast is going to rehash rehash stuff that you've heard on midnight in the desert we're going to keep just driving each ship the way that we have over the years but what she's talking about is if you have never uh been to midnight in the desert.com if you've never listened to the show the show is a live program it airs midnight to 3 a.m on weeknights uh that's eastern time it's 9 p.m to midnight Pacific. And the reason why it's called Midnight in the Desert is because Crystal Gale wrote a fantastic song for Art Bell, inspired by Art Bell, just for him, called Midnight in the Desert. And she gave him that song. And that is the closing theme song to the show every night. So why are you doing a show from New England called Midnight in the Desert? Because we're going to keep that name always in honor of Art Bell. Mm. So that's why it's Midnight in the Desert. It starts at midnight here in New England. It ends at midnight on the west coast and in the desert it all makes sense one way or another so if you go to midnightinthedesert.com during the time when the show is live you can listen to the show right there uh, great audio coming from the website if you want to listen to it that way you can also listen to it on the tune in app if you just search for midnight in the desert there the dark matter digital network you'll find those both on there you can also listen to it on the paranormal radio app which i'm sure a lot of you use to listen to spooky south coast as well it, it airs live on all those platforms for you to be able to listen if you live in the area of Pahrump, nevada you can listen to us on our flagship station knye out there as well art bell's former station that now the wonderful karen jackson owns and you can hear the show live that way but if you can't listen live, 
maybe you work during the week and you have to get up early or you got to get the kids ready for school and you can't stay up till 3 a.m. here on the East Coast, you can become a time traveler. On the Midnight in the Desert website, you can sign up right there. It's a subscription-based archive system. So a lot of you listen to Spooky South Coast, you know that we have put up all nearly 600 of our shows now for free. Uh, they're all there for you to listen to for free. We've never asked you to pay to get the program. We've never asked you for a dime. Now it's time to pony up, suckers. No. Uh, <laughs> but the, the reason why that we're able to do this show for free is because I work at the radio station. And we're able to come in on the weekend and use the equipment and be able to put everything out there. So it doesn't really cost us anything outside of the website <laughs> and the podcasting service. So we're talking about you know a couple of hundred bucks a year, which now we're able to offset with the money that we make from the YouTube ads. Yeah. So everything kind of works out, and it's a wash. Nobody's making any money off of it, but it's not costing us anything either. It's a different story with Midnight in the Desert. There's a lot of costs associated with producing this show and being able to give you the high-quality audio and to be able to put on a show for three hours and to be able to have all of these talented people that work on this show be in different places and still be able to all work together. So that's why we charge for the, for the subscriptions so that we can make sure that we're able to always have the best available for you. And we're going to increase some of the things that we'll offer for subscribers too as time goes on, but the price will stay the same. $4.99 a month. You get, you know, hopefully 20 new shows a week. If there's 20 weeknights, you know, that's about on average what you'll get, 20 new shows a month um, if you sign up to be a time traveler. But you also get all the shows going all the way back to when Art Bell started the show. So when I've been going back into the archive and listening some to some of those old shows and being a Coast to Coast fan, I've heard a lot of Art Bell, but I'd never heard these shows live. You know, I listened to them live, but I'd never heard them again uh, since they first aired. So it's good to be able to go back and revisit. So, again, that's my little spiel, my little pitch. If you've enjoyed this show over the years, I know you will love Midnight in the Desert. And $4.99 a month is a small price to pay for all that you will get. That being said... So thus ends the sign me up begging for money i will too don't don't uh <laughs> don't dare me i will uh thus ends the begging for money portion of the show uh we will have uh, a few minutes here before we go to our break at 11 o'clock for the news but i want to talk when we come back about you know looking at 14 years and, and we've been accused of having a lot of uh retrospective special episodes over the last few years because we've reached a lot of milestones over the last few years. You know, we had our big 10-year anniversary a few years ago. We, we observe our anniversary every year. We celebrated our 500th episode. You know, these are pretty big milestones for a radio show. Most of the time, radio shows only last a couple of years. Yeah. So to have the opportunity to look back like that, it's it's a nice thing to be able to have. So we do get kind of accused of... of, of patting ourselves on the back a little bit too much with some of this stuff. But I do want to talk about the changes that we've seen from January of 2006 to now in the paranormal field. That's why there's no two better people to talk about that with tonight than Matt Moniz and Dave Francis, because they've been involved in the paranormal for that whole time and even before. So they can talk with us about some of the things that have changed and also kind of where we see it going in the future. Because I know that it's a cyclical process but I don't think everybody kind of understands that. Mm. I don't think people understand that, okay, there's going to be times when we care about as much data as we can collect. And then there's going to be other times when we just care about a good story. And right now we're at a place, I think, where 
we've got a really good blending of both. And we'll talk about that. We'll also take your calls at 508-996-0500-877-996-1420. If you want to call in and give some thoughts on that or call in, say happy anniversary, whatever, you know, we're not going to let you hang on the phone and just, you know, tell us how awesome we are and tell us how much you love us. Well, that would be a short much, call. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> trying to make it sound like, you know, we want them to. But uh, <laughs> we will we will have you, have you call in and give us your thoughts because – a lot of this audience that's sitting here listening to us on the radio, listening to us online, watching us in the chat room on Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com and on YouTube, they've been with us for most of this entire journey. So I'm sure everybody out there has some thoughts. I know I have some thoughts. These guys have some thoughts. So we're going to dive into all that coming up after the news. And I gave that little pitch for everything Midnight in the Desert, but don't forget, if you're listening to this show for the first time, maybe you're a Midnight in the Desert listener and you never checked out Spooky South Coast before, you can follow us on social media. You can subscribe to our archives on iTunes or wherever it is that you get podcasts, and you can go back and listen to the you know, almost 600 episodes that we've done now. Some of them we're pretty proud of. Most of them. Yeah. A few were stinkers. Yeah. Some of them are just us eating on the air. Mm. But <laughs> we promise one thing. We always try to be entertaining at the very least. So we'll take a break coming up here. And when we come back, we'll dive into this topic as we celebrate 14 years of being on the air, 14 years of talking about weird stuff here on Spooky South Coast. Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You love the new Paranormal Radio app from Talk Stream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in paranormal talk entertainment. The Paranormal Radio app, free in Google Play and the iOS App Store. Our number two of Spooky South Coast, Tim Weisberg here, along with science advisor Matt Moniz and our special guest in studio tonight, Dave Francis. And and Dave, we were talking about, um, we were discussing movies uh, during the break there while we were running all the commercials. And you had mentioned, you know, going to the drive-in movie, the drive-in theater to see the new Star Wars film. And it's kind of funny that we're talking about the stuff from when we were kids kind of making a comeback now, you know, like oh, yeah. people want to go to the drive-in to see a movie. Uh, people are listening to, to vinyl record albums. Uh, you know, there's a, a cyclical nature of things where the stuff that, I mean, even Star Wars, you know, like we were Star Wars obsessed when we were kids and now kids today are Star Wars obsessed. So you're seeing, you know, the, the cycle of things all kind of coming back. And, and it's funny because we've seen that same thing happen in the paranormal in all the years of doing this show that, and I think, I want to say it was, I'm trying to remember back, because it's when we first started doing this show, 
Uh, and I know that you went to some of these, I believe. We would go to, and I know Moniz went to these, uh, you know, when, when we started. We would go to the Cape Cod Community College when the Cape and Islands Paranormal Research Society would have their Friday night lecture series. Yep. And once a month, they would bring in a paranormal speaker. And we got to, you know, that's when we first got to meet face-to-face with John Zaffis, Rosemary Ellen Guiley. That's where we met Jeff Belanger for the first time. So, you know, we made a lot of cool connections at those. But I, I think it was either Jeff or Zaffis, one of them talking about how, you know, the paranormal goes in cycles. And that the way that people are interested in that topic at that time would be different five or 10 or 15 years later. And we've actually seen that happen where we came into this, what? So 2006 was two years after the premiere of Ghost Hunters on television. Mm -hmm. Two years after people started to realize, oh, you can go out there and, and I'm going to use air quotes on the radio, scientifically (laughs) look for ghosts. (laughs) And we're at a different point now in research, but we've gone to at least, you know, in my mind and what I'm seeing, back to some of the stuff that was before those days, before people saw the the TAPS methodology on television, where it's just as much about the story as it is the as it is the the, the data that you can provide, the evidence that mm. pe- is the word that people use. But, you know, it's just as much about the experience now as it is about whatever you can use to prove the experience. Mm. And that's something that um, – well, Moniz, you know, you've probably been doing this longer than Dave. I don't know. We'd, we'd have to, you think so? Well, yeah. all depends upon, you know, what you consider doing this. You know, I, I started reading about the stuff as a young kid. And when I mean young, I'm talking eight, nine years old and reading it into, you know, my early tweens. So that would put it in the 70s. And I started physically going out and doing stuff uh the actual date was in 1985 so yeah he's got me beat so in that well in that regard then in your initial stages of investigation you were just going out and collecting stories from people really right well mainly what you're talking going out going out yeah in the field doing an investigation in, in the fields mainly it was like reading about something that would be in the newspaper or in in various books and going to that location. I mean, you didn't really start talking to people because there was no network to, you know, I finally started getting what what I'll call cases, (laughs) loosely defined (laughs) back Mm then. Uh, People talking about, oh, I heard you like, you know, to look into things about ghosts and whatever. So, my cousin's house is haunted. Can you come take a look at it? You know, so that's how and investigations, not, yeah. here we go with the air quote again. Yeah. That's yeah. how investigations for me started, going over to Billy's house and seeing what the hell happened. Was, and there, a, was there a lot of bulletin board action back then, too? Like at the library, you'd see somebody put the card up or asking a question. Dave, I've seen that rare. before. Dave, Dave I, don't, I, I don't mean to, to tell you what to do, but you got to ask the questions into the microphone. Into the microphone. Even though you're looking at Moniz, you got to talk into the mic. Yeah. Uh, it's better to look <laughs> into uh, the he's mic. Not, he's not a radio guy. <laughs> no. we, we can forgive him. Uh, the... The the question that I have, though, is when you were going to those cases, and we'll use that term loosely, you weren't walking in there with a, a you know, no. a Pelican case full of no. stuff. You're going no. in with a notebook and maybe a camera, maybe a tape recorder. At, at the at the very least, yeah, a notebook just to write down, you know, 
where I was, who was there, you know, and a watch. And, and, and <laughs> so Dave, I could document what time did it happen. It's probably similar to you, though, too, that you were walking into some of these early cases without bringing a lot of equipment with you. No, just what I had. Yeah, I had a camera. I think I was using a cassette recorder at the time. For me, though, it was already out there. The networks and stuff were out there. Taps was out, and that's what got sure. me like, wow, people do this. You know, they get together and they do this stuff. So it was easy to find a but, group and stuff. But, yeah, so but, I jumped in, and everybody had cameras and everything kind of running. But the thing is, when we're going into the, the – at least with me, when we're going into cases now, I don't want to bring all that equipment no. anymore. Yeah, uh, the equipment thing started um, probably the early 90s, um, or at least for me. I'm sure, I know Hans Holzer was using equipment and, you know, the Warrens and everybody else back in the early 70s and even before. Right, it, but there was you know. no, like, standardized of what you would use. Everybody was right. trying different things. Right, right. You know, and you, you had the way that the Rhine Institute would do things and stuff like that, but there was no prosaic formula for what what we're doing um i i helped start a group in 1990 90 91 called project find uh that's back when it was uh college at bristol community college that was like one of our first real paranormal groups where we got together and it wasn't just ghosts we studied ufos and it was you know bigfoot anything and everything that was considered paranormal Mm mm-hmm so, you know, we, we wrote up protocols for what we're going to do when we, you know, get this kind of case and that kind of case and, you know. And then never got those kind of cases? Well, some of them we did. Okay. But, but it was it was all new to us because nobody knew what the hell to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think one of the things that's changed between then and now is, well, wow, 30 I mean, years ago. Not, I still don't know what to do. I, I'm going to be honest with you. It's... That cycle you talk about, yeah, I mm-hmm. got into the travel. You got to have the meter. You got to have this. You got to have this. And after coming around again, it's no, you're right. I don't want to bring all that stuff with me. I need right. to get my eyes, my ears, and everything out there first. It it, it totally dehumanized what is a very human experience. And don't get me wrong, like I I'm not saying if you, you know, if you are going out there and doing an investigation tomorrow that you shouldn't bring the stuff that you invested all this money in, but. What has it gotten you in all these years of having it? I mean, nothing that I've caught in all the years that I've been doing this, which is, you know, 14 years because Moni's made us go out into the field. (laughs) Uh, But in all the years that I've been doing it, I've never caught anything that's really changed anybody's mind. Other than your own. Well, but I... And that's the whole point. All it it really did was reiterate to me what I I thought that I believed. Well, solidified it. Yeah, it made it... It made me for sure on it. And... Nothing that I've shown anybody has ever been able to make them believe. And, and you never will. And nothing's been more compelling to the people that I've talked to about it than I could tell them all I want or play them any clip I want or whatever, but it's been me sharing what happened to me personally right. that makes that difference. So it's it's supposed to be a very human experience. It's not about, you know, what you're collecting. No pun intended. To, no, I don't. I'm not putting a pun in there at all because I think we've talked about this too. I don't think this stuff happens if there isn't a human element there to observe it. And then the question always becomes, well, what about the surveillance cameras that right. catch things? Well, the because person still has to watch the surveillance. The surveillance mm-hmm. camera is yeah. there because a person wants to see what's going on in that location. Yeah. So I th- I think so there needs to be... In- Schrodinger. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if there's nobody observed. there to observe it, it's not going to happen. 
So that's part of, you know, why I think we have so much trouble with, you know, making it happen again in a laboratory environment because you're you're changing the you're changing the way that you're going to observe that phenomenon. So and then we see the same thing happen all the time when we charge people money to come to a place and sometimes the activity isn't happening because it doesn't work that way to say, hey, dance, monkey, yeah, B- yeah. because you're dealing supposedly with people and they're not necessarily going to perform on command. So, yeah. Depending upon who they were. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and depending on, you know, what it yeah, is that you're yeah. asking for them to do, too. Uh, we, we had probably... I could probably count on one hand a good, you know, maybe five people that we've seen in the all the people that we brought out with us on investigations and for different events. Maybe five people that I can say we definitely changed their mind. Oh, yeah. A couple of them. <laughs> now, right, yeah. there's been other people that have come and done stuff with us and then gone on and done more of their own right. and come back. But I'm talking like when we were there, this might have been the only time they ever bought a ticket to a ghost hunt. And when they went to this ghost hunt, they had something happen. And that changed their mind. I think most part of that is because, you know, 90% of the people that come to these things with us already believe. But there's still to pull five out of that 10% that we've had over the years. You know, it's a low number of people to say, here's how we've been able to change somebody's mind that didn't believe before. Mm -hmm. There was that lawyer at the uh, the hotel. I was just thinking him. (laughs) That guy got an eye-opening experience. That that, that guy probably is like in a padded room somewhere based on the way that he reacted to, what was it, just a toy moving on the floor? Or somebody coming up behind him or something? I forget the The whole night for him, everywhere he went. And the poor girl that he was there with, she was the one that dragged him there. To this thing. She was she was the one she that wound up she getting was, attacked. She thought she was a medium, right? Well, I don't. Yeah. I shouldn't say she thought she was a medium. She was saying yeah. that she believed she had mediumship abilities. Right. I'm not. I'm not trying to say like eh, she wasn't a medium. She was just saying that she was. What I mean is she wasn't totally sure if that's what was going right. on with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but basically, she wasn't selling tickets to a gallery. But when she got there, I, if I remember correctly, she was the one that when we tried the psychomantium experiment, yeah. she was the one that went in there and had the complete replay of the Houghton accident yeah. happen before in, her. In that psychomantium, that closet? So yeah. I, that had something my brother and I, we kind of tried to escape. When we went up there, there was one of those TAPS events, so there was a whole ton of people in the building. And everywhere mm-hmm. we went, there was like 40 people, 30 people. Yeah. And at one point, they were all on the second floor, I think, or on the first floor, actually. And we were up by Witter's room, and we found that closet. Yeah. And we With just the went in there. Yeah. Yeah. And we had something happen in that closet that we didn't know happened while we were in it. To us, it sounded like, like a piece of wood snapped or something. So, but the recorder didn't sound like a piece of wood snapping. It was, it was interesting that it was in that room. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so, for those who aren't familiar with a psychomantium, it's it's based on the idea of mirror scrying, of, of, of gazing into a mirror, mirror gazing, looking into it and getting some kind of a vision. So they have that you want to have it be in a small, confined space, a very dark space where you can sit in a chair, stare in a mirror and under candlelight. And they use an electric candle because it's they don't want yeah. to burn the place down. But you sit in this closet and stare in a mirror in the dark with just a candle under your chin and you stare at your reflection and visions will come to you. And, uh, and I remember it was the first time that we ever met Dave Schrader mm-hmm. because he came out and was part of this event with us. And he went in there and, uh, and, and Father Andy Calder had recently passed away. 
and like very near when this happened like a week before and so when when dave went into the psychomantium i don't think he would mind me telling the story because he told it to everybody at the event when he went into the psychomantium that's who appeared before him and that was one of those things where i wasn't totally sure that i bought into something like a psychomantium like mirror scrying uh but when that happened and i saw the reaction that it had to him i was like well even if he didn't see him like something happened to Mm -hmm. him and so then i you know gave it a try and and i had weird things happen to me and i've done it many times since and had things happen so you know some of the that was the hardest part for me in terms of a lot of this stuff i know that you guys especially matt costa you know they like to say that i'll believe anything you know like not that i'll believe anything but my instinct is to want to believe it even if i'm skeptical about it like i want to think that everybody's telling the truth about what it is that's happening to them uh, and that i want to have something be paranormal even if it's not, uh, you know, that I just, you know, I hope as I'm trying to debunk it, if you get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's not that I want to put anything across that's false. It's just I'm hopeful about it being paranormal. And the one thing that I had a problem with was some of this more uh, folkloric, mythological belief. I had a lot of problem with a lot of that because it wasn't as palpable to me as something like catching a voice on tape or catching a figure on a video or a photo you know that i felt had a little bit more credence than some of these you know like let's go look into a mirror and see what happens or you know let's go do this and put ourselves in this situation and see what happens but i'll be damned if you know that isn't where i've had some of my best experiences saying screw having to prove anything or record or document anything and just be in the moment and be willing to try some of this weird stuff. And that's where it's tended to respond the most. And some of it's been pretty damn profound. Mm-hmm. Good example, when you were at Winston, the things being thrown at you, you, you didn't have a, a vested belief one way or another. Mm-hmm. You just heard the reports and you decided, well, let me stand down there and see what I can see and experience. And then what happens? You get stuff chucked at you didn't right. you and and what happens in that place then it becomes you know one of our go-to spots to have stuff interact with us and it wasn't because we were worried about catching something on film it's because we went down there to have an experience right and you know we we talked a lot on this show and we've talked a lot about it at the events the difference between paranormal investigation and legend tripping okay and the line has become blurred for a lot of people now. You know, when when Jeff Belanger started pushing the legend tripping aspect, and make no mistake about it, people, he was the guy that started talking about yeah. this. Yep. When he started pushing, now everybody talks about it, but it was it was a combination of, of Belanger and Chris Balzano that were really pushing this idea in those in those days. You know, two thousand nine, two thousand ten, mm-hmm. and so when that term first came out it was a dirty word to a lot of people in the paranormal it was no i'm not a legend tripper i'm a serious investigator i'm not just you know i'm not here just looking to have an experience but in the end that's exactly what they're doing mm-hmm. right. they're just trying to you know put a, a a little bit of lipstick on that pig and now we see it where it doesn't matter like i think a lot of the people that i know now that are out investigating they can have a little bit of both in the course of the night and they're fine with it and they just recognize each one for what it is i can't tell you that this is uh you know an actual documented scientific thing that happened but i can tell you about this experience that i had 
And the fact that we're willing to share both of those stories and both of those perspectives sounds far less crazy to non-believers than to say, I'm only out there looking for scientific evidence that the you know ghosts exist. That's why I like Team Cannoli and doing the show when you have the Bridgewater Triangle show because that's what we're doing. And it was so relaxing to be able to just go out there and I didn't know anything. Tamarack Park. No pressure. Oh. No pressure investigation type yeah. of thing. Yeah. And we went out there and we didn't know what we were going to expect. We knew some stories about what happened at the pond and everything. But our experiences happened elsewhere in the park and we just weren't ready for it. And it was more than one <laughs> set of eyes watching it. It was the most amazing thing to just have everybody kind of go, what is that? What is that? Now I don't want to figure it out. I want to watch this happen. And mm-hmm. You've been somebody that's steeped in this for a long time like me. You know that no matter how much you prepare with the camera and the, the, the recorder and whatever, you're still just as spooked and unprepared for things when they happen, no matter whether you have all the gear or not. Oh, exactly. Yeah. I, it happened was at Anawan Rock. Yeah. I thought something went in front of us. And I'm telling myself it can't. Now it's pitch black back here. Right. I didn't see anything. <laughs> but I get scared for a second. I had to tell the person next to me, you know, I get the heaves here. This is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, and I think that that is part of the key is when you go out on an investigation, you're going, you know, and I'm talking like if you're trying to conduct it as a full on investigation, you're going out there and having a mindset of it's going to take something pretty good to, to bowl me over, you know. But when you're just going out to some place, you have and, been uh, bowled over. Well, literally, yeah. yeah. But when you uh, and we have been in bowling alleys too. Uh, <laughs> Actually, we have. Yeah, we both uh, the Quickie Quick Club and uh, the the um, up in Lennox. Uh, oh yeah, uh, that uh, mansion. I was just there. Yeah, Venford uh, Hall. Venford oh, Hall. Yeah. Hall. That yeah. was where we saw those legs walk yeah. by the window, where it would have been too high for legs, and that was in an old bowling alley. So maybe there's something connected to bowling but anyway so does that mean we should go next door maybe let's go to wonder bowl after this i think they're open <laughs> till one the um the thing about that is you know you're you're putting yourself into this already in this mindset of it's going to take something strong uh and when you just go into a place and saying let's just go see what it's like and if you just go somewhere to be in the moment and while you're there, you say, you know what, while I'm here, let me pull out my phone and turn on my recorder. Let me take a few photos. I think you probably get more in those instances than you do when you're coming in with the full team and the DVR set up and everybody's got their matching T-shirts on. Because you're you're experiencing it instead of investigating it. And I think that that's a very important distinction uh, now that we can make that people weren't so willing to make before. You know, it's it, it only would happen if you investigated it. That's the only time that you could say that it was definitely for real. Yeah. Now, people have no problem saying, I just had this experience and it's enough for me. Well, the reason why people go to investigate places is because people keep having experiences there. Exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> the fact that, you know, it's happening to people just in every mundane run-of-the-mill, you know, daytime activities or nighttime activities shows you that it's not acting because you've got your cameras there and you got your recorder it's doing what it's doing mm-hmm. the fact that you've come there now with cameras and recorders is just ancillary and mm-hmm. and and those cameras and, and and recorders and different meters none of those are going to do anything different than what your own senses can do mm-hmm. you know if you're if you're tuned into what's well, going that, on exactly. th- this aggravates the hell out of me people think that 
you, they have equipment there for, you know, documenting the experience. I have to explain this to people whenever we do these events. The reason for having the equipment is to augment your natural senses. Right. It should be an okay. extension yeah. of it, it is, not exactly. in place of. If you're right. lucky, it's a secondary validation if you have right. something Right, an independent happen. secondary yeah. validation, but it just augments your senses because, you know, IR cameras see wavelengths of light that your eyes don't. The uh, sound recorders will hear, you know, frequencies that your ears can't. Mm-hmm. You know, you have thermometers and emf meters that work like your skin feeling temperature and uh, uh electromagnetic galvanic responses that your you know your skin has there are even you know ion sensors working similar to your nose and if you're tasting a ghost you've got issues <laughs> so but the point is I'd it's there ghost taste me but well, well, hey, hey, i'm not gonna judge but the whole point is Had the a equipment champagne here huh? the, the equipment is for augmenting your senses the the i could be wrong on this but i'm gonna i'm gonna put this out there as my own observation and you can tell me if i'm incorrect but in the footage that i've seen of older investigations which admittedly means i was watching hans holzer footage or uh, ed and lorraine warren footage and both Holzer and the warrens made sure that they were front and center of what they were doing so we'll put that caveat on this but it seems to me like in those older times when somebody brought a camera, uh, a, a film camera, you know, a, a, I guess a 35 millimeter probably yeah. f- because it wasn't a video camera. But if they brought, if they brought a Still. film camera, no, a film, I mean film, oh, but, actual film. but it, wasn't, it wasn't a video camera. But if they brought those a, would be 8 or Super 8. So we'll call it a movie camera. Okay. If they brought a movie camera with them on an investigation, the movie camera was pointed at the investigators – as they were investigating the idea of taking the video camera and pointing it where nobody was is a post tv thing yeah like i i, I don't think moni's if uh, i don't know how much video camera access you had in the days of your investigation because they were pretty expensive You're very and, expensive very mm-hmm. large but if you had one somebody is recording and documenting the investigation and the person doing the investigation and what's going on, they're not just pointing it down a dark hallway to see if they catch anything. Right. Mm-hmm. The first season of Ghost Hunters, I always loved when you'd have Brian and um, Steve going over the footage. I think they presented a lot more of the stuff that just didn't make, you know, it, that's not paranormal. And, right. But they would show that they're sitting there going through all this stuff just to get that one little thing, you know. And a lot of times as we progress, we realize, oh, that might have been something else or whatever. But... Yeah, it, it you yeah. it was the first time I get to see that, you know, that you know, this is being right. taken kind of seriously as well as and they're they're and investigating they're, what's happening there. They want to They're willing to throw it out. And it would yeah. be easy, by the way, uh in those early seasons of that show to to put something that they caught out there and say, Oh look, we caught footage of a ghost and make sure that they got season two and season three. Yeah. But they didn't. They were willing to say, you know, I, I believe the term they always use is when in doubt, throw it out. Mm-hmm. And it was they were, a 50-50 if you think about it. There was a lot of it back then. They, yeah. and But now, you know, people are like, well, how come every time when I watch, you know, whatever this show or that show, uh, oh, every uh. every time all I see is all, all uh, stuff that they got that's real. Well, because the audience has become savvy enough now that they don't need to show the process of throwing mm-hmm. stuff out. So they're only going to spend time showing you what they feel is actually paranormal evidence. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we can argue about whether or not they're they're 
trying to portray things as being paranormal when they might not be, you know, that's probably part of the argument. I don't know. I'm not there. I just know that the shows that I've worked on, they've asked me to review evidence and they've let me tell them I think this was something that happened with production and they said, well, then we're not going to use it. So, you know, I don't know how much that integrity extends across all paranormal television, but um, they certainly don't need to show you the false positives anymore and explain it away. Yeah. You know what I really, I, I was thinking about it a, a week or two ago that when I first started, I think that you remember I was getting real jaded for a while. You like, were very oh jaded for God, a while. You know, this is just bull. Like, I can't believe that they do it this way and this way. That line doesn't have to be blurred anymore. You know, there's entertainment and that's awesome. If it wasn't for the entertainment, I wouldn't be doing it. Honestly, I was sitting there reading books. I was quite comfortable in my chair trying to validate my experiences reading books. And the, the, it's good to have, it, it is actually good to have that because they're bringing the stories out there. They're, they're, they're making these places known where I never heard of half of some of the places that are out there that when they show them. Listen, we've talked about it before. We're going to keep talking about it again. I don't know anybody that owns a paranormal, you know, haunted location, a paranormal hotspot. I don't know anybody that owns one that is all about just saying, yeah, come and investigate anytime you want. I don't care. And now uh, you don't have to give me any money for it. I mean, people. Oh, well, I got one. There's, there's, there's some, yeah. but, but there's also some that you know you get the chance to work with because you have to understand that we are part of media, yeah. and so it's beneficial for them yeah, to do it. Got, got it. So, but you know, the big complaint that I hear from a lot of people is that somebody owes it to the paranormal world if they have a haunted place to let us go in and investigate because we're trying to get to the bottom of this. Private property is private property. Nobody yeah. owes anybody anything. And, you know, the other thing, too, is the whole argument about how paranormal investigators shouldn't charge for their time. I do agree with that because it's not like you're going in as an exterminator and coming out at the end of it holding up the ghost by the tail saying, we got it. But food is a good substitute. <laughs> Putting that out there. Food is a good substitute. But, for example, you know, this past week I went to Toronto and I filmed the TV show. And a couple of weeks ago, I went to Georgia, and I filmed the TV show. And I put up on Facebook, hey, I filmed this thing for the Weather Channel. Hey, I filmed this thing for the Travel Channel. And people will, you know, attack me for that and say, well, oh, it's nice to see that you're just using this to get yourself on TV. No, you know what gets me on TV? The fact that I can articulate what happened to me in an interesting way that makes people want to listen to what it is that I say. It's mm -hmm. how I became a talk radio host because it's a skill that I have. Wait a minute. You went to school for journalism, right? Well, uh, well, I, I studied some journalism. I don't use any of it well, in the actual but, journalism that I do. But the point being is you're in a vocation <laughs> right. that, you, that you normally uh, I went, are in. Yes, I yeah. studied communications and I work in communications. So, right, so you're not basically, if to take the phrase, a plumber and going out and going on TV. Right, mm -hmm. but, and, and nobody, no. <laughs> but nobody wants. So here's the thing is if you want the plumber to come over your house and just sit down and talk to you and hang out with you, if the plumber has the time to do that, he'll come over and sit down and talk to you. And maybe while you have the plumber over your house, you might ask him a couple of questions about plumbing, and you'll go back and forth and have a conversation about plumbing, and he'll give you some insight and some tips and things that you know he's not charging you for. Mm -hmm. But when you want the plumber to come over to your house and to do what it is that he's That's trained to do— That's called an estimate, Tim. Yeah, well, well, you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm talking even conversationally. Like, just, hey, you know, what's the worst thing that you've ever had? Oh, how'd you get that out? You know, like, that's 
just you know interacting and, and conversational. But when you want him to come and perform the professional service, then he wants to be paid or she wants to be paid for their time. Mm-hmm. And that's what people in the paranormal world do. They don't make the money by going out there and, and you know helping the people that they're talking to. But when other people want their time, then yes, they should charge for that. So everybody out there, by the way, uh, and I'm not just doing this to defend myself as collecting a paycheck. They paid me in a trip to Toronto and food. You know, like that's I, I don't really ask for much. Yeah. But, you know, these conventions that happen, sure, we're going to get paid for going to them because it's our time and our time is money. But that the reason of this isn't to talk about myself and the opportunities I get. It's to tell all of you out there that if somebody says to you, we want you to come on this TV show and tell us about your experience. We want you to come to this convention and be a guest. Ask them for something. Stop mm-hmm. giving stuff away for free. Stop giving your time away for free. You know, do or at least be compensated for in, your travel. Some way. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Your travel. Maybe it's just that they buy you dinner. Whatever it is that you need to feel like, you know, you got something back. We've spent enough time in the paranormal world making the normal people understand what it is that we do. Yeah. And or try to. I think that we've reached the point where you it's fair for everybody out there to say, um, so you want to have a convention and you want us to come and talk. Can you give us a little something that we can, you know, use to continue toward our work? Because here's what's funny. The paranormal person that go and it's different if it's for charity. Let me just put that out yeah. there. Like, you mm-hmm. know, the Ocean State Paracon every year, I'm there every year. That's for charity. Yeah. You know, that's different. That's totally not somebody different. pocketing the money and and, and, right. and making a living off of this. But if you go to a convention and you're Joe Blow from this paranormal group and you're going to speak and talk about your experiences and they're not paying you, but at the table next to you is the Acme paranormal group and they paid 75 bucks for that table to be able to push their group. So they actually paid to be there. Yeah. You're there not having to pay. You know what I mean? Like there's there's a discrepancy yeah. there. Why are you giving up your time but these people are paying? Or why is this person getting paid and you're not? So I'm just, you know, soapboxing a little bit on that. I think some of that's cut and chop, though. Sometimes you got to be the but person true. You buying gotta, that you gotta $75 earn table and earn your, <coughs> you, you do know, have to earn put it. the time in. I have seen a, a wealth of people, and maybe wealth isn't the best term, but I've seen a lot of people in recent years who get speaker spots at things that get up there and have nothing to say. You know, and if if you're going to put yourself in that position, have something to say. Mm-hmm. There's something in your life. There's something in your experience that you can share with people that is different and unique. Don't just get up there and say, well, we're going to play you some of our best EVPs because we've heard those. Every paranormal group has an EVP where something tells them to get out. Yeah. And it never it never works when you play them up there anyway. So. <laughs> more, more often than not, right. Get up there and talk about you and what it is that you do that's different than what other people do. All right, no no more soapboxing on that stuff. Yeah. But uh, we have some phone uh, calls coming in, so let's take some calls. 508-996-0500. We've got some folks that have been waiting patiently, so we'll put them through here. Oh, hold on. Get that button there. And uh, good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. Nope, now you are. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. What's shaking, Playboy? Oh, How you doing? Hey, Lamone. Great. Don't tell me I sound really good right long now. Oh, you do, I but I can hear it starting to cut up, but so far, so good. Okay, I'm not going to push it. All right, so um, so I was, all right, I told you in August, I said, I'm going to get you in the dang seat. Do you remember I told you that? <laughs> we want you over there. I did that. I did by hook or by crook or, or both. 
I got you into got you in there, so that should be an upgrade in your pay, hopefully, isn't it? Uh, it, it, so, are you saying that you you did something? What did did you yeah. like cast a spell or? No, you remember in August when I said that to you. Go, uh, I, I remember you saying it. Yes. Okay. And so uh, it's like, so you know, Ali knows that the Hoosier files are going to be be extended. <laughs> so <laughs> like, the Hoosier files. He's going to. He only investigates to, in Indiana. Now, will you, will you be Indiana. able to do this with Lamone? Can you have like a yearly psychic who will take your predictions? Yes, absolutely. I want Lamone oh, yeah. to, to give us there a prediction every year. Okay, well, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you something that uh, that happened Friday. Oh, it was a Friday. Um, well, no, thir- yeah, Thursday. I saw, um, I know that um, Tom Brady was in town talking to the owner of the, the Oakland Raiders. I mean, the Los Angeles Raiders, excuse Las Vegas Raiders. They were having lunch before he went and before they went and signed. Uh, in the, he didn't. I was hoping he was going to bring them there. You know, they want a, a big splash. Okay, and I think Tom Brady would be it. So that's now, that's was, your prediction for 2020. No, I'm just saying. I'm. Just, I don't think you're going to be there. I think still think of San Diego, but it would be nice. It would be nice. What are, what are the not, what, what's the over under on that one? Anyways. I don't know. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. they get that on the big board now? He'll, he'll place a bet for you. Who is I, this I'll, Tom Brady? Tom Brady, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> some, some pagan guy. You know, I don't know. Hey, <laughs> careful, I'm pagan. Hey, all right, well, that's, thanks for the warning. I'm, I'm not going to fight over for a slumber party. <laughs> Lamone, I'm going to ask you this, and please please yeah. don't, don't take offense in this. What did you sure. do differently that your phone sounds so good? Uh... Dave was leaving the show, and I had wanted to make sure I had, I had to represent. Like, oh, too bad. He didn't get hear me hear it like that. Whatever you're so, doing tonight, this is how you must call every show from now on. Okay, I'll do that. I'll have to sit. It'd be like, so, it's not that cold tonight hanging off this pole, so it's not that bad. You know, since I had to climb the pole to get better reception. <laughs> <laughs> be careful like, when you're talking about climbing the pole in Vegas. That's a whole yeah. different thing. <laughs> well, I just say, I just say, work the pole. I had to climb the pole, man. You know, that's a different story. For shizzle. I'm like, oh, yes. I think that would be wonderful. Oh, and, oh, there's something else I wanted to say. Oh, um, last night I went to go see uh, the, 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 the home, you know, the home regency they're having of uh, the Foreigner was here, the, the first concert they're here. And it was kind of nice. They're going to be here for a few, for a couple more months. And maybe you guys will come run over, come out here to Vegas and see them. And it was pretty good. I tried to call from then while you were on the phone, but I guess Dan did, Dave didn't want, I keep wanting to call him Dan, but he didn't want to let me on the phone, so I like bastages. So I'm glad. So, um, <laughs> it's worth Stephanie. She should be there, especially for tomorrow's such momentous occasion. I figured Stephanie would be there by hook or by crook. Well, she, she's there. got some other stuff going on, but she promised me that uh, she'll be back for the February 8th show. Yeah, I heard that before. I'll hold my breath. Oh, my breath. So February, that's Saturday, right? Is that Saturday? It's usually on a Saturday. <laughs> are you going to be doing uh, uh, Spooky South Coast every Saturday? So you know, until then. Yeah, I mean so, that's that's the plan. Uh, there's there's a couple Saturdays coming up where there's some other stuff that's planned, but um, other than that, you know, we should be doing stuff. I know in March there's uh, there's a private event that I'm probably going to be attending, and then I have to do a little bit of traveling. Um, a little bit later on in the year, so isn't there well, also a couple of games that are going to interfere with the? Nah, games won't interfere with us anymore. Oh. Not until we, next year. We get so to go next... right over the stream. Oh, okay. So what about like um? What about like the basketball? You know, 
That's Does that mean that's have problems with that? Like nope. UMass? No, nope. we won't. No, any of the any of the other sports stuff that happens now. The, the way the new system is built, uh, oh. whenever there's a game, we can just go online okay. on the stream. So, oh. well, it took it took it took Chris Keith to send that stuff out there to make it possible. That's what I'm saying. Oh, what hey, a wonderful you know, listen, I'm going to tell you what Keith also is sending me, the ability to stream at, from my house. So what's going to happen is if you don't stay on topic and you start getting off topic and rambling, Lamone, I'm actually going to be able to turn you down now. So oh, really? just Ooh. keep that in mind. You like Steve Wilco show? Just joking. Just off topic. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, we, so, so, so Dave, I remember, I remember a long time ago when I called in, and I said, "Oh, you look like the look like uh, Tom Pinks from Black Jeopardy." They had on Saturday Night Live. You know what I'm talking about? I know what you're talking about. Yeah, does you look like him in that picture that he had? A there? little bit, a little bit. Yep. Yeah, I'm not trying to see. Everybody looks like Tom Pinks. All right, we could, we're, okay. we're going to have to just cut it short just because we have another oh, caller oh, in only a few oh, minutes two left. More, two more, two more uh, questions. All right. Um, so, uh, are you all right? So you brought size twelve and a half, right? Exactly. I just want to make sure. Yeah, about that. Yep. Depending okay. on what it is, yeah. I think you'll be happy with what I've got planned for you. And so, is that will you come out here in May, or March? That when the in the thing with the meet everybody at, at the New York, you know, at the at the Valley of Nye. Is that where you're going to be coming? Well, yeah, in March? I'm hoping at some point. Uh, no, in March I have to go to something uh, in Virginia, but we're hoping to try to get over there at some point so that you know Keith and, and Michelle and I can all get together and be in one spot and meet with Karen and everybody else out there. So, is that when you're going to come to your dad? Uh, yeah, well, he was the one that was going to help me tr- find a fi- try to find a cheap ticket. So I don't know if I can okay. come with him at the same time because usually if he goes, I cover. For- oh, I can't cover for him anymore when he goes. Uh, when he goes on vacation, uh, he works overnights. I can't can't cover for him. Well, oh, I guess I guess if you want to bring him, you know, I'm not someone about to be cock blocking and stuff like that. Because if you want to bring him with, you know, Paul's old enough to come and hang with us. So you know, we don't want to catch, get get him catch a case or something like that. You know. Ever forbid he comes home with jungle fever. I, I don't know what I, I don't know what to do because usually I just tell him his phone isn't working and I hang up on him. I can't do that now. I know curses. I still feel wonderful. All right, I have, I, I okay. want to let you go though because we only got five minutes left and there's another call. So okay, and, I, and so I'll so I guess when you leave I'll be I guess I'll be the host when you're gone. So yeah. I'll, that's fine. Okay, my, my connection is so well like this. Yeah. I just hope it won't be cold. I'm gonna get struck by lightning. It's crazy. <laughs> climb all down, to, climb, climb down safely, Lamone. All, all I need to do is be black and crisp. All right, see you later. <laughs> have a good night. I have to. That's uh, FCC rules requires me to cut you there. All right, let's go to our next call. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. How are you? Yeah, I've only been holding for a long period of time, boys. I, I apologize. <laughs> do you know who this is? Uh, no. Keep talking. Oh, come on. You miss me? You don't miss me at all? No. Who is it? David, tell him who this is. He, yes. Oh, I know who this is. You should know who this is. Who is Colleen? It? You don't get to eat any of Colleen. the snowies. Oh, I... Uh, or is this Chris? No, it's Chrissy, but why... why <laughs> can I understand your voice? It took me a second. Yeah, she doesn't know. sound the same over the phone. You definitely do not. She's not on a Lamont no. phone. The three of us know you. We've known you and loved you for years, and the three of us are all scratching our heads, so that's got to be something with your phone. I grew up with her. <laughs> yeah, Dave's right. You must have the Lamont phone now. That's, I guess so. That's why he has such Marilyn a good one. does to you. <laughs> well, thank you for, for holding on. I'm sorry that we made you wait so long. and, and For like 20 minutes. Well, oh, blame hey, Lamont. Hey, listen. 
you know, if, if this was midnight in the desert, you could have been waiting a whole hour. So just keep okay. that in mind. You're going to have to trump this up, too, because he knows the size of your feet, it sounds like. That's so... I know. I don't know what's going on with that. You're going to have to trump it up, Christy. The next thing you bring, it's got to be... Cannoli the size of his size feet? Size related, yeah. The size of his feet. There are some down here. Um, but I wanted to call and wish you a happy 14-year anniversary, of Thank course. you so much. And thank you for being there. For You've been with us pretty much the whole time. I, I think so. I'm not sure when my first, tip, you know, stepping in was, but... It, it, at least, but you've been around, you know, the paranormal world, uh, you know, for as long as we've been doing the show. So, you know, the same stuff that we've been talking about, the way that things have yeah. changed over the years. Oh, yes, definitely. Definitely. We're, it's unbelievable. And, but, and, yeah. and by the way, when people, you know, refer to us as spooky snack coast yeah. and they talk about how we always talk about food, you're one of the main perpetrators for why that is, just so everybody oh, understands yes. that. Yes, as oh, I hold you know, up a okay, thing I'll of cannolis that. to the camera. <laughs> that reminds me, I, I, I have something in the in the other room that I want to bring in. Moni's Dave Vamp for a second. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna be back. And definitely thank you very, very much for the cannolis. They are she gets, yeah. she gets hey, all, they get all the credit. I, I, I had like no I said, idea. I, I had no idea there. they were gonna be shown at this. Uh, it was I, the first thing I thought of this morning when I saw Tim's I, post. I said, I, I gotta forgot, get the cannolis. I bought these on clearance oh, God. after Christmas. Oh god. Oh and, and maybe Chrissy's has some. These are Swedish fish flavored candy canes. Oh my! They were a You're dollar at Stop and Shop. So we'll have to make sure that we try these before the end of the night can too. You, can you catch like a wild balanja with those? You leave pieces like, like in the Family Guy. Ooh, piece of candy. I'm pretty sure that's his entire tree now. <laughs> yeah, is just those candy canes. But uh, yeah, those are those are pretty good. From what I haven't tried one yet, I waited to, to have them on, on the show. But everybody was talking about them uh, when I brought them in, oh, so I said, "Oh, yeah, you guys can I open them and try them." I have four more boxes in the car. <laughs> they were a dollar. <laughs> You're not going to get them again until next year, so you got to stock up. You got to stock up. That's so true. So All right. True. Well, thank you for checking in with us. We want to squeeze in one more call here before the end of the show. We miss you so much. Yeah, I miss you. Yeah. Um, miss you guys too. Big hugs. Okay. And next much time, love, next time you come up here, you know the studio door is open for you. Oh, wonderful. well, it's locked, thank but you. we'll open right. it. We, it's we, locked, we'll but you'll open it. it. Just hit, just hit the little. Ringer I had to bring food to get. We'll in. send Moni's. <laughs> yeah, we saw Dave. We're like, ah, oh, no, Dave. We're about to start the show. He held up the cannoli box. Like, come on in. Come on in. <laughs> All right. Good night, guys. Miss y'all. Thank you. Take care. And uh, we'll try and squeeze in one more here before we run out of time. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. Hello. Hello. Hello, sir. All right. Now, your voice I recognize right away. Of course. Hey, by the way. Did, yes, go ahead. I want to make sure. Well, thank you for the for the anniversary wishes, but I want to make sure we put this in. Was there a show coming up here locally for you? Yes. Uh, February 29th at the Vault or Greasy Luck Pub. Um, I can send you the particulars and we can post it out. Well, there. we'll make sure we definitely give it some more uh, some more plugs before the show happens. I appreciate that. So, so I just wanted to say congratulations on 14 years and congratulations on uh, taking over the legacy of Art Bell. I think it's a torch well passed. Thank you, sir. And, You're uh, welcome. And I, I want to thank you for being there with us for all these years and for hanging out with us at uh, you know, all the different stuff that we've done and for just being you know, a huge supporter of, of all the things that we do. That's the great thing about doing this show is we've made so many awesome friends. Like, That's absolutely. the best thing I've taken away from this. I've met Mark. 
Um, I knew Chrissy and stuff, but the, the, all the other investigators I've gotten to go out with and that I never met before. They to say go to places I never heard of before. It, they say adults don't usually make a lot of friends. You know, when you get to be an older person, you get to be an adult, you don't really make a lot of friends. Through this show and all the people that we've gotten to meet and hang out with, I have far more friends now than I had when I was growing up. You know, and and friends and, that actually get you, and and friends that feel yeah. like family. You know, where we might not see each other for six or eight months, but it doesn't matter when we all get together. Yeah. That's so, a very good way of putting it. And of course, you know, the magic of the internet, we can all kind of gather together and hang out over this virtual campfire every Saturday night. Yes, just as long as we're not playing magic. <laughs> right. And also making sure that uh, whatever Lamone's doing, he keeps it limited to only good things. If he if he was yeah. able to get me the Midnight in the Desert job, I'd hate to think how quickly he'd get me out of that job. <laughs> well, you know, it's kind of funny, though. You, you had Swedish fish today. And I have to raise the question after being where I was today with Swedish family. Are Swedish fish actually really Swedish? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I haven't heard them talk yet to, to know. Well, they don't taste like lutefisk. Well, I've seen the Grey Buffet. It's not very good. <laughs> this says Ohio on it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's, there's Swedish people well, in Ohio. Could very point. well be. There's Swedish people everywhere. I just want to know, though. <laughs> I, I just want to know what kind of fish it is. Like, is Swedish. it Swedish cod? Is it Swedish halibut? It's probably pickled herring, if I had to take a stab at it. <laughs> That's true. That's probably it. Uh, speaking of pickles, real quick, dill or bread and butter? Definitely dill. But like I said the other day, the real debate is dill, no, bread and butter banana peppers or dill banana peppers. Ooh. I've only had regular mm. banana. I haven't had bread and butter banana peppers. Hmm. And I'm a big banana it, pepper fan. I'm gonna have to try those. It, yes. Maybe it's a South Florida thing. I don't know. Have you Maybe had the? Howie can bring back some for the um, studio. I'm sure he will. Have you had the ghost pepper pickles? I've I haven't tried those yet. Ooh. I have not, but I try to shy away from the ghost pepper. Yeah, the last the, time I'm on the back nine of life. That stuff now, it is not the same as it was on the front nine. You know, <laughs> the it last time I <laughs> ate something that spicy was when we did the chicken wing challenge here, and you can see the video of it on the Fun 107 YouTube channel. Uh, and and I I'm pretty sure that I aggravated. I have an ulcer that I didn't know that I had, <laughs> and now sometimes I just randomly will get these pains in my in my abdomen. And it all goes back to that night that we we tried those Reaper wings. So I think I'm retired from the extra spicy peppers. Remember when Jay Mori brought in the, the, the hot the, sauce? Yes. And we all tried it oh. here. And we took... We, <laughs> we, Ooh, it was going back on Spooky South Coast memories, we all took a spoonful of it each. And we 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 almost died yeah it's fair to say we almost died oh, God. we're like chugging well, the from the gallon yeah we tried it on the air trying to inhale and breathe and yeah oh. it was not fun and then you touched your yeah. face afterwards and, uh, and then you, yeah. oh geez bad you know there's two there's two spices that are cajun there's there's a spice out of louisiana called slap your mama i'll leave that there and there's something called tony chachery's what is the ghost pepper out of the water I think I'm good on that. Yeah. I like to I like well, to make things spicy myself. I don't like to have to depend on something else to do it. I've always said pain should not be a flavor. That's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> true. Well, have you have you been to Wendell's Pub in Norton? Ooh. They make is that some, the old BB Banks. 
might have been. I don't know. It's it's no. I think it's always been this. It's it's right next to uh, um, Wheaton College. Okay. And they claim to have their suicide wings are supposed to be the hottest around. Matt Costa and I went in there one day, and we were coming back from a food show when we used to work as cooks. And we stopped there to have something to, to eat. We wanted to have some of these famous hot wings. And I asked for the suicide wings, but I asked for them boneless. And the lady yelled out from the kitchen, I can't do boneless suicide wings. And I yelled back, why not? She said, because you're going to hurt yourself. I was like, I don't care. Just do it anyway. And she did. And they came out. And I took one tiny bite, and I was done. I wow. I could I ate four like baskets of rolls after that trying to calm it down and and side note while we were there their soda machine broke and and matt costa like got on his knees under the bar and like fixed no he fixed the whole thing for them like he saved them the trouble of having to like make a service call because you know we worked at a diner where stuff was breaking all the time so he fixed the whole soda machine you think they would have like helped us out and like taken something off the bill but they didn't anyway we brought those wings back from the pub and we put them in the fridge at the diner where we worked and you know how spicy stuff when it's hot when you put it in the fridge and it gets cold it just gets more spicy oh, yeah everything gets stuck on so, it. so we we brought food. those back and we put them in the fridge and one of the dishwashers comes in little like 15 year old kid and he's like what's that like it's supposed to be the hottest chicken in the world or the hottest chicken in new england or whatever and he's like i'll try that and he takes one and he takes a bite out of it, and he's not. He's like, it's not that bad. Now it's cold, so the it's dulled, so you're not going to get it instantaneously. But it's still the spice is still there, and it's it's now worse. So he proceeds to eat the entire chicken mm. finger because he wasn't tasting it at first, and then after about thirty seconds, it kicked in. And uh, you know, I I I thought we were going to have to call an ambulance for him. Like his reaction Religious was, was that experience. bad. Yeah. yeah. Well, so it just goes to show you. Anyway, that's just neither here nor there. Just a fun story. I, I'm, I'm sure he was seeing sounds. <laughs> yeah, that's that's I. When we did the hot wing challenge here, Gazelle had a gallon of milk with him in preparation, and when he when he couldn't take the spice anymore, he started chugging the milk, which just led to him throwing up milk in the bathroom. Oh, so. Uh, it's not doesn't it sounds like a good idea it sounds like a good solution but it's not the funny thing is is we had there's this kid uh, well he's not a kid but this guy here he's a he's a model and a professional skateboarder his name's Nick Dompierre uh, and he goes by Nick Diesel they people know him as that too and he was part of this with us because he has won so many food challenges you know he's a strong guy skinny guy six pack but he can just he can put away like 50 tacos in a sitting and so he was taking part in this wing challenge with us is gazelles throwing up and i'm like dunking my face under the sink in the bathroom and you know we're doing everything we can to survive he's just in there sitting there calmly finishing all the chicken wings that we couldn't eat oh, wow. <laughs> so amazing i've never it's like, it was a paranormal experience for sure i'm sure if you wash that down with a moxie that would go well oh. all right now we're just gonna <laughs> hang up on you <laughs> brought hey. up brought up moxie yes well I have a new phrase. Stay snacktacular. There you go. And we will because yes. we've still got cannolis. We've got now we've got Swedish fresh uh, candy cane. So we'll be snacking for a little while here. Thanks, Ross, Very for good. calling in and checking in. And thanks for all your support over the years. No problem. All right. Good take luck. care. See you guys next Monday. Absolutely. Yes. And to everybody out there, thank you for all the years of support. 14 years Is now. Is it safe to do this? We're not going anywhere. Was that whoa whoa whoa? Is what? It? Moxie. You wanna you wanna put Moxie out on the show? What? 
I then, turn into an animal. All right, you brought you, don't want you, me on that. you brought cannoli, so <laughs> yep. I'll I'll let the moxie slide. Moxie is not a drink; it's a medicine. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so that'll do it for this week's show. It's something I'm not you can at eight o'clock. Yeah. Year fourteen in the books. Year fifteen. Here we go, Salute. and uh, we will all happy birthday. Thank you very Slum. much. We will be back next Saturday night. We'll be back with year fifteen coming your way. And uh, if you ever missed any of the first 14 years, just go back and listen to the archives. I look forward to talking to you on Monday night on Midnight in the Desert. But if you can't make it to that, then we will talk to you next Saturday night. Until then, stay spooktacular.